Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Thanks for joining us, Everett. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really excited to be over the hump. We're yes. through Christmas. Yes. So we're recording. This is the day before this will come out. So it's going to come out on the 27th. Today's the 26th. Uh, I had my first day back at work from my long weekend. I know you worked also on Christmas Eve. On Monday. Yeah, which is... And today. Longer. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. There's worse things. Worse things than having to work a little bit. So yeah, but excited to be uh, on the other side of, of that that thing that was Christmas. It's crazy how everything builds and builds and builds into Christmas. And then it happens. And it's almost anticlimactic for all the build-up like as great as christmas eve and christmas day are it's like it's a little anticlimactic for all the hype i think at least yeah no i think i mean i think that that's pretty reasonable um you, you know i remember feeling that as a as a kid the anticipation and the the hype obviously as an adult i think you probably the oh, yeah. same but we sort of uh n- know what gifts are like before we even get going but um, so, so not that same thing, but still there's this food anticipation and this party or event anticipation. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a little anticlimactic once you get through it. And Oh, that was that. It's just a day. It is just a day. It's a busy day and a fun day. I mean, I had a great Christmas, but it's still, you know, we got up, we had Christmas morning as a family. We drove to Portland. We did one family. We went to the next family and then came home. And then I went to work the next day. It was just just like a a good reason to celebrate. I mean, I love seeing my family. Yeah, but it, it I don't know, just a little a little anticlimactic. I think even as fun as it is. And I think driving too adds to that. I think driving adds to that a little bit. We you know we had folks here again, um, and not my wife's family this time, but my family came down, and it was very it was very nice to have people here and. Um, but there, there's a different, the anticipation is different. The, the anticipation is, um, for uh, for me at least, it's sort of related to how are we going to house all these people for yeah. this period of time? Where's everybody going to sleep? Uh, where are people going to sit when they're eating? I mean, there were more people in my house than there are chairs in my house. We literally had to get chairs to put enough <laughs> to put butts in. We we did that for Thanksgiving a few years ago. I And I still have like eight metal folding chairs and two of the big plastic collapsible tables for for that very purpose hallelujah costco should have told me had i known i would have dragged them over you know we were able to we had enough people coming in driving in from out of town that we were like just throw a camping chair in your bag uh which i which wound up working out really well because they're can... cup holders that's right yeah. <laughs> that, that's right i actually sat in one with a cup holder for for several hours the better part of a day yeah yeah we had ham i love ham it's the only time i eat ham i know i don't eat enough ham i don't think i, I don't know i mean I, th- I think i eat probably just enough because i eat it at christmas and i'm like ham is so good i think if i ate it more it wouldn't be as enjoyable the no, same way with turkey i think it would be I think it'd be just as enjoyable. We've got a uh, Christmas tradition. or um, My dad makes a dish. It's called spaghetti. I don't think it's actually called that. I don't think you would be able to Google spaghetti. It's sort of a, a creation, uh, an internal creation. But it's, 
Yeah, you know, it's really just a sort of pasta, a cheesy pasta casserole. It's huh. lots and lots of cheese. Um, I think there's uh, chopped olives and uh, tomato paste and more cheese and elbow macaroni. It's just this cheese casserole, cheese and elbow macaroni casserole, which sounds like baked macaroni and cheese. It's yeah, not. It's, I was going to say it sounds kind of like baked macaroni it's a tomato base so it's a little different but i mean really that's what it is anyway fantastic so we have that we have ham you know these these christmas sort of staples that we have it's a less elaborate it's a less elaborate setup than thanksgiving definitely but just more or or maybe not more but equally satisfying i feel like it's more family tradition oriented on Christmas, like for Christmas meals, everyone's other family traditions versus the the typical Thanksgiving fare. Society doesn't demand a special menu, yeah, for for Christmas. And you've got leftover eggnog, which I really appreciate. Yep, we're drinking the eggnog with a little bit of E and J brandy. Only the best brandy in this house. Only the best. I think you can get a half gallon of this stuff for like four fifty. It goes nicely in eggnog. I don't care how much it costs. Yeah, right. I, you know, you brought over, what'd you bring over? I brought over, um, I don't know, I've never had it before, my dad got it for me, it's, uh, Portland, Oregon, Burnside, Oregon Oaked Bourbon. Where's it, is it Burnside is the Oregon, distillery? I think so, I don't know. It's, it looks that way. Yeah. Maybe it's not in Garyana Oak Barrels? That, am I saying that right? What's Garyana? I don't know. Is that two people? It's all one word. Garyana. Yeah. Oregon oaked bourbon. Oregon oaked it's bourbon. It's just a small distillery in Portland, from what I understand. Um, yeah. I'm excited to crack it open and try it. My East, wife did last night, but Eastside oh, Distilling. This is there's the, the one. They've got this. Uh, they've got the tap house there on uh, MLK. As you're getting on, as you're like going over that overpass that goes oh, okay. over Division Powell. That's oh, interesting. Is it is it sealed up? Can I smell? Yeah, give it a, a give little... that a give that a little sn- sniff, guys. Ooh. It smells good. It does. I mean, it smells like bourbon. Yeah, which I love. Yeah. So we'll nice. we'll give that a try. We'll let you know how it is. We we had some extra. I, I had about a half gallon of eggnog left in the fridge that we have to kill. So we're we'll work on that. We're working on that tonight. Well, so we actually this is round two for us. We tried to we tried to record this weekend. We normally record on the weekends. To give time for editing and whatnot, but we had to we had to call it. How, how are you feeling? Good. I finally. Well, like I said on Sunday when we tried to record, I feel good. I just didn't have a voice. Mm. We it, got through I don't know seven minutes, and I was like, let's play it back. Right. And it was it was too bad. I we we opted to spare you all the uh, horrible sound that was coming from my mouth. You, you know, it wasn't that bad. I think probably you would have been self-conscious, but it wasn't that bad. You just sounded like you just sounded like you had lost your voice. But my concern was, you were fine on minute seven, minute twenty. What are you going to be like? Minute fifty? I'd just be in a whisper. Yeah. It'd be cracking. And it would be. <laughs> it would have been terrible. So. Well, your voice hasn't come all the way back, but you. I think you're you're ninety percent. Yeah. Or so it's pretty close. So if you get a, if he gets a little squeaky, he's not going through a second puberty. I mean, I so I could grow taller. Maybe get maybe get the beard to fill in. <laughs> that was, so that would be a welcome. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Never mind the pimples and hormonal imbalance. Uh, there's worse things. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, good, good. So, Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, uh, glad glad to have you again. We're we're talking about we're talking about racing chronos this week. Yes, the next step in our series of 
styles of watches. And we decided on racing chronos this week because I, I picked up a new watch. Yes, you did. And I love it. Yeah, Dan Henry, 1972. This is the newest offering from Dan Henry. If you follow us on Instagram, you've probably already seen it because we've posted a couple it, times. Posted a couple pictures. That's right. Um, it deserves them, though. It's a good looking watch. It's a stunner. I, I, I opted for the silver case because I'm sort of, uh, I, I don't know, negative about vintage loom, the retro antiqued loom. Um, and I think it can work, work in certain applications, but I, I do think it gets overused. And in fact, one of the things I've said about Dan Henry over time is I would love that watch if not for the vintage loom. Uh, and, and that's not unique to Dan Henry. There's there's Seikos with antique loom. There, there's all these watches with this sort of faux Tina that uh, it, it rubs me just a little bit wrong, like like jeans with holes. I want to put my own holes in the jeans, and I do. Yeah. So I don't need to buy jeans with holes in them. I like wearing. I like the the rigid jeans that later become holy with, with holes in places that make sense for my body. Uh, yeah, where my phone is, where my keys are, where my wallet is, and then where my legs rub together. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, you, you know, I, uh, a few years back, so I, I actually bought my wife a sewing machine. She wanted a sewing machine, and I did the I did the hunt. Okay. The way we hunt for things. If, you, if you're a regular listener, you know Andrew and I are both uh, acquisition experts. We, we research things into the ground, uh, make overeducated, sort of unreasonably informed decisions about our purchases. Sometimes unreasonably informed. I, I think, think typically. Yeah. <laughs> so my wife wanted a sewing machine. Uh, I, I think she thought I was going to buy like a $90 sewing machine. I wound up buying yeah, right. this sort of o- over the top expensive. It, it really wasn't that much. I think I paid, you know, 300 ish for it 350 maybe i can't remember exactly uh, but got this very fine sewing machine and my wife i think has used it approximately five times since we bought it three years ago uh and she loves it and i think she loves having it when she wants it but she didn't she didn't want me to buy her a hobby she wanted me to buy her a sewing machine a tool. To, to do things with when she needed so i felt like i had to take it upon myself to learn how to use this thing and i have <clears throat> i haven't made dresses or halloween costumes or anything but yet right right yet uh but i i have learned the the most useful thing i've learned to do is to darn my jeans uh i watched some youtube videos and bought some uh denim color like faded denim color thread and i've learned how to darn my jeans and that is a lifesaver because i buy not cheap jeans my wife works for a denim company for a jeans company and so uh i I get sometimes very good deals on pretty cool jeans and I've now learned how to repair them. So when I get the blowouts in the crotch, I get the like taint blowout. Yeah, I get that too. And so I've learned how to repair the taint of my jeans uh, in a way. And it's a little stiff right after you do it. But then after a while, it just it looks like jeans. It feels like jeans. Breaks right in. Breaks right in. Yeah. Blows right out. So Dan Henry, 1972. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So I, I did opt for the silver version because anti anti-fotina uh, do you I, have any black case watches i don't and, and i'm actually just right now i think when you came over this weekend i was saying gosh part of me is having buyer's remorse i wish i got the black version um 
and I know that I would feel the same way if I'd gotten the black version. I'd feel the same way. So maybe the answer is I just need to buy the other one. Although that feels like both. Yeah, that fits. It, it fits. I, I, I think there's other. There's too many other watches I want. That's yeah, not that too. So uh, I it, it was a uh, you know Dan, we, we love you. We love your watches. Um, yeah, we do. But it feels like you could have given us. Just make a special one just forever. <laughs> I'm going to need you to do the special order for me. Uh, and, you know, his his watches are all limited edition. And I'm making finger quotes because, you know, with the 1972s, there were literally 2,000 of each. So that, I mean, I think that the idea is he's going to make those 2,000 and never make any more. But to call that limited edition feels a little... I mean, that's a, that's a not a... It's not a ton of units. I mean, it's relatively limited. It's not like a never-ending supply where you'll be able to pick them up sure. brand new for the next five years. I mean, that's, that's reasonable to call limited. Yeah. I, I feel I, like, th- like 2,000, 2,500 is kind of the threshold for calling something a limited edition. Well, you know, release. if you're Seiko, for sure, that's a limited release. That's fair, yeah. You, you know, but Dan Henry, I'm not sure how many units he's selling, but I, I know that he's, these are similar numbers to what he's made in the past, and he's he's sold those watches for a year or more. So I, I don't know. It is what it is. It's a limited edition, but of, of 2,000 units. So take that, that phrase with a grain, of, a grain of salt. In any event, the watch is spectacular. It is it's maybe my favorite watch right now. I mean, I know that changes, but I bought watches before and didn't feel that way immediately. I got this thing, and as soon as I got it, I was like, man, I love it. It's my favorite watch. I was excited to see it. When you texted me that it had come in, I was pumped to come see it. Yeah, and it, it held up. It delivered. It delivers, right. I mean, it's one of those. And I think I knew as soon as I saw it, I'm going to like that watch. But but you never know. The size is always a little different than you expect it's going to be and, and everything else. It's The proportions are perfect. Or the bracelet doesn't feel right. You know, the bracelet on this thing, I don't have it on the bracelet right now, but the bracelet on this thing is so interesting. It's it's bead blasted. The whole thing is bead blasted. And, and I got this, again, I got the silver version, not the, the black version. So the color the color of the bracelet looks to me like blasted aluminum because it's got that sort of bright it looks like blasted aluminum for whatever reason i get into my head that it must be blasted aluminum i had to actually i had to write dan and say is this steel and he confirmed it's 100 percent steel but it's so light yeah it's so comfortable i thought this this must be aluminum or or something it feels like it it's not though he he yeah. assures me it's 100 percent stainless which is not and and that sounds i mean i think maybe that suggestion sounds like a criticism and, and i certainly don't mean it that way it's, no, it's just not, yeah. so light uh the whole watch really is so light really cool I, and you guys have seen it check out the instagram if you haven't it is a stunner i will say though i wore it on um i wore it on my barton elite silicone for about three days so i got it i put it on the bracelet or i just had it on the bracelet i sized that bracelet oh by the way, sizing that bracelet is a pain in the dick. That is the my one criticism about that watch, is sizing that bracelet is brutal. The hardest bracelet I've ever sized. So uh, if you want to take that as, as feedback, Mr. Henry, if you're listening, I'm sure you're not. But that is that was my criticism. That is a brutally painful bracelet to size. I figured it out eventually. I wound up taking the screw end off my version tool and just lining it up in, in, that little, in a little tool and, and tapping them out with a hammer. But that's a lot. That brute force, I, I feel like, is a, it's a little scary to apply to a watch. When I resized the the uh, World Timer bracelet, all of the recommendations for how to pop that key out of the out of the bracelet was 
finishing nail and pliers. And that concerned me. I was like, no, 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 no. I have a tool for this when, in fact, the preferred method and best tool for the job is, in fact, a finishing nail. Tools you will need. MIG welder. Yeah, right. Cutting torch. That's that's too much. Dremel. So, yeah, bracelet, bracelet was a pain in the ass to size. Other than that, I've been just absolutely enamored by that watch since i got it but but i wore it a couple days on that bracelet and i decided to put it on my barton elite silicone it was actually when you were here last weekend yeah and uh it looks phenomenal it really does it looks so good i don't know that i've posted a picture of this but it it, this is it's a hooded lug The, the 1972 has these hooded lugs and this barton elite silicone in the blue coloring the blue is almost a dead ringer for the blue on the second hand and it just looks like it was made to go this way. I wore it that way probably for three days straight. I have a red burn on my wrist. And you've worn this bracelet or this strap before. I don't know that I've ever worn it that many days in a row. Interesting. I wore it for, I think, three days in a row. And I'm wondering if I have a mild silicone allergy. I don't know if that's a thing. I felt like silicone, in my mind, silicone is the most inert substance on earth evidently not to your skin yeah it, i mean it's a clear it's as a, day a red burn on my wrist it's a good rash yeah maybe some soap got under there or yeah something? that might be it I, I mean i'm gonna let this heal obviously it, it doesn't hurt i i can't feel it um it looks like something got under there that might be it you although know, you could have a silicone allergy i've not heard of that before but weird things have happened me either I, I haven't heard of it either uh but it's clear as day it's something at at the same location as my watch irritated me so i think what i'm going to do is i'll just probably, take the watch and the strap you can just, just have it all yeah i'll just take it all from you <laughs> we'll just we'll just mitigate the issue um if, if anybody knows is that a thing a silicone allergy does anybody else have this um you, you you know like you said it's very possible something got under there soap or something so i'm going to probably clean this thing maybe with some vinegar or something some soap well yeah <laughs> <laughs> clean it uh clean it really well and and then i'll give it another try uh like you said I, i've worn this thing and not have issues so uh i'd be disappointed if i can't w- i love this strap it's a good strap i bought this strap for my emperor diver which is coming and if if i if the strap is a no-go for me i'm gonna be tray disappoint that's spanish i think i think it was a couple languages <laughs> most of them being made up <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, that's that. So, uh, you know, some of you guys will know this Dan Henry, 1972 is a homage, homage. I don't like that word. Homage. Homage. Bruschetta. Exactly. Uh, this thing is an homage to this 1972 Orfina Porsche design Orfina make racing chrono uh this a very famous watch and it's been done by many companies now in very similar form um a lot of these uh 7750 watches um hoyer has one and i think hoyer made watches for several other companies that all sort of made this same style i think there's a modern leisure version made by bernhardt mm-hmm. they make a, a leisure version of this so it, it's not you know a couple people i've heard say oh they're just they're they're remaking the leisure well this is like a, a pilot's watch there's been so many companies that have made the 7750 style chronograph that that at some point it's sort of like fair game right yeah right it's fair game um and and, and so that's what dan henry's done it's beautiful um the 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 original orfina design was the i think i think the first all black wristwatch 
I don't know. I, I think that that's my understanding that Tom Cruise, Orfina, seventy-seven fifty style um, racing watch, first black watch. But that got me and Andrew thinking. Well, look, we should do racing chronos or racing watches for this next episode. Yeah. So and that, that's what we've done. So here we are, twenty minutes in, <laughs> finally on topic. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not going to take us forever to no, get there. No, so let's let's talk a little bit about racing chronos. And as as we're looking at this style of watch, the only things that I can piecemeal together that dictate what makes a racing chrono is two. Mm-hmm. One is a chronograph complication, mm-hmm. and two, it's got to be sexy. Those are the only two requirements. Yeah. Well, and and not and not even chronograph. In some, I mean, there are True. there are driving watches that don't have chronographs, uh, but but I think most of the ones we're going to talk about because well, we're talking about racing chronographs. Right. So right, if we're if we're gonna we'll we'll, we'll put a little a little asterisk <laughs> there and say <laughs> racing chronographs. The only requirements are that they are sexy and that they have a chronograph function. Yes, because when you look at the Monaco's, which are iconic racing watches, mm-hmm. there's no. No tachometer on there. No tachometer scale. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that's something that you would expect hmm. out of a racing chrono. And there's a story behind like how the Monaco became this iconic racing watch. And it was really just luck. Like It just happened to be that Steve McQueen didn't want to wear a Speedmaster in the filming of Le Mans. So they went with Hoyer. Hoyer had a couple watches on set. Two of them being racing chronographs and one being the monaco and they had multiple uh units of the monaco on set so that's what he wore and it's because he he didn't want to wear the speedmaster because he didn't want to be used as a name behind omega and turns out that he then defined an entire style of racing watches or created it really didn't define it he created this iconic racing watch style because he wore it in Le Mans. And Le Mans? Le Mans? Le Mans? What, when, yeah. when, what year was that? That's one of the... So that was a, uh, 1132 Monaco, right? Uh, which is that classic blue, uh, very square, angular just, case. Yeah, the, just the pure square. Uh, I think they're like 38 by 38. Yeah, right. So, which is interesting because when you see McQueen wearing that watch, it looks like he's got a license plate strapped to his uh, wrist. It's tall. It, they're tall. Well, and you know, I think a square cased watch is just going to be a lot bigger than a round cased watch of the same dimensions. You know, that was one of the things I've I've noticed just over time. Even even cushion cased watches with the the square, they wear bigger than you think they're going to. Uh, 38 millimeter is a huge you know i've seen some guys in these i think the newer monocos are 41 or 42 and these they look like they've got a fish tank on their i mark. mean you're picking up what 15 percent more real estate with a square versus a, a circle right. i mean i don't know geometry good so i don't do math real good uh but i don't know if i mean yeah, and you're picking up a lot of real estate i, I think that's right i mean I, I i would be i would be disinclined to wear that newer Monaco just because it's so huge uh, it, with being a, that big square. So. I think they look cool, though. I don't know if I'd ever wear one, but I think they look cool. Right. They're certainly sexy. They fit 
the bill for a racing watch. Right. Well, so um, I, car racing is interesting because it's, it, to me, just, just in general, because car racing is something that we take for granted, but it's pretty new. I mean, it's newer than so many things that feel new, right? So yeah. eight, 1894, I, I have as as maybe one of the very first car races, if not the first. There's a, a Paris Run, uh, Paris Rouen. I'm going to say that wrong. So if you're French, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, the first horseless carriage race. 1894, obviously in France. <clears throat> it was a loop from those two places, maybe a loop, or, or it was, I think it was either an out of back or just straight line. They had like many different official times because they right. didn't have the ability to keep to keep time. So then, uh, right after that, this sort of thing that's racing takes off gets hugely popular in a town in Florida that we'll all know the name of, Daytona. Mm-hmm becomes this famous 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 racing place and and they're racing all over the world at this point um the first racing watch like official racing watch and not that it's a racing watch but the first reference to a racing watch i could find is when sir malcolm campbell aka anthony anthony hopkins uh set his land speed record at bonneville he was wearing a rolex oyster and oh. he, he somewhat famously wrote a letter to Rolex that says, your watch survived some crazy hard conditions, and I love it. You know, it, it's this sounds really canned to me, but uh, that led Rolex to sort of market their Oyster watch at the time as a racing watch. Although it does not have a chronograph, and, and that was sort of before that was a thing. But the first racing watch was just a Rolex Oyster. Just a watch. Because good old Sir Malcolm Campbell... Wore his when he sold his land speed record and then bragged about it. He probably got a bucket load of money. Probably a couple free watches. <laughs> that would be my guess. Yeah. Now I thought uh, that's interesting because well, it's it not... makes sense because it's I mean it fits the the mold for a need for an accurate way to keep and measure time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean that's that's all it is. It's it's time. I mean all motorsports that's all they are. It's a race against a clock. Or other cars. Yeah, but it's still against a clock. Like to do it, you got to do it faster. You got to you got to be the fastest, which is covering distance over a period of time. True. Um, you're, you're getting really deep right now. And all I'm saying is that this is the the, the bringing watches into motorsports makes perfect sense. Totally. So why not for watch companies? Why not start designing watches specifically catering to this? unique need that has arisen well and so while rolex was making their oyster cases hoyer obviously became really closely associated with racing mm-hmm. um even before the wristwatch was a thing hoyer was famous for making those dashboard the, mounted ones right their dashboard their dashboard clocks. so so a couple of them in particular uh the master time and the monte carlo i looked up pictures of these and they're they're pretty cool looking in fact we've got some up on the up on the computer right now these cool looking like i i want to get one as an alarm clock i don't know can you pick these up you must be able to i don't know are they outrageously expensive i mean this thing is cool i'd like to get one and put it on my wall at work or something oh that'd be a cool they're not cheap yeah no that's uh that's a little bit more than a conversation piece you you know and they probably don't i don't know that they even tell time uh or they just stop watches more research needed uh if you have one and you want to sell it to me for cheap uh I'll be here. 
But yeah, so so they their Master Time, their Monte Carlo, and also a name we'll know, the Hoyer Octavia. Yep. The Hoyer Octavia was a fairly famous dashboard clock until they turned it into a wristwatch in 1962, and it became the third leg of the Hoyer Big Three wristwatches: the Monaco, the Carrera, and the Octavia, mm-hmm. which are all watches that we know and love today uh the octavia i think is probably my favorite of that bunch with its real classic i don't know it looks like i'd call it a dive style chronograph although it's not that's not the intended purpose i like it i like them all i don't know if they're for me but i still like looking at them yeah you you know of those three i think probably my favorite is the my, my favorite is the octavia it's just got that really sort of simple functional dive style chronograph design i, I love them in fact, I tried on a, a Bell and Ross not too long ago that looked it was it, it looked like an homage to an Octavia, and I don't know enough about it to say that it was for sure. But um, had that same style, and I almost, I almost bought it at the airport. And my wife was like, uh-uh. "No, you're not. <laughs> no, no, you're not buying that." So um, Hoyer first automatic chronograph movement in 1969, yeah. the caliber 11. Yep, they dropped all three of them right at the same time. It's a big deal. Mm, that is a big deal. Yeah. But I had to read it a couple times because I'm like, there's no way that's true. Uh, but yeah, I guess something about the column wheel made it harder to apply a, an automatic movement. Yeah, I, I mean, a feat of technology. Those Hoyer guys, gosh darn them. <laughs> so cool. So yeah, Steve McQueen and his Monaco. Other famous racing watches. I mean, we talked about Hoyer. We've talked about the Rolex Oyster, not a driving watch. Uh, but still, maybe the first driving watch. Speedmaster. I, some of you might be surprised to learn that Speedmaster is not just a moon watch. Although that's what it's known for. Or originally a racing watch. Yeah. And they still, to this day, sell uh, Speedmasters that are marketed specifically at, at racing, at, at car driving. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, not a not originally a moon watch, although now it's known that way and even marketed, marketed that way. Makes sense. It's certainly more exciting than as a <laughs> racing watch. Is it? I don't know. It, it actually kind of excites me to think that it's a, a car racing watch more than... I mean, I'm never going to go to the moon. I might... Me either, but I'd like a watch that could go to the moon. I'm sure as hell going to rev my LS400 up in the driveway, though. And I'll feel better about doing that if I'm wearing a racing watch. True. Sometimes I rev it up and the kids get excited. They're like, yeah! <laughs> Pounding on the door. <laughs> yeah! Daddy! 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 <laughs> um, and the other one... Uh, the, the, the Daytona. The Daytona, right. That's in particular the 6234. Oh, no. The 6239. The classic Paul Newman Daytona. Yeah. Which they sell for a billion, billion, trillion dollars. Probably worth it. I, I, do you think? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So the story the story behind that, that Newman Daytona is uh, cool and tragic. Um, I'm not familiar. So his daughter was dating a guy. Back, I don't know, probably in the 80s, I'm guessing. And he came over to the house and helped Paul Newman build, I think, build a tree house. And as a gift for the weekend, he gave him a Rolex. Because, you know, like you do. Someone comes over and helps and you don't make them dinner and buy them a six-pack. You give them a extremely expensive luxury Swiss luxury watch. If you're Paul Newman, I guess it makes sense. But. I was going to say, I've helped a lot of people and that's not been what I've gotten out of the deal. And so that that uh, that that one in particular, I think, had been uh, engraved by his wife. And there's two of them. There's the the drive slow or drive slow me or 
anyway, there's two separate inscriptions. One of them's from his daughter. One of them's from his wife. The the wife's inscriptions with I think is drive careful me is the more famous of the two. That was given to the boyfriend, the daughter's boyfriend, and he, he kept it because he's not going to give it back when they break up. I guess. Duh. Yeah, that's the one that was auctioned a few years ago for oh. a gazillion G bucks. I didn't know that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So that's the full and unabridged history of racing watches. And there it is. <laughs> the, you just uh, transcribe this and put it into Wikipedia. Yeah. No, that's hard. It was much harder to, to like come up with a, a history of racing watches than it was for field watches. Yeah, because they were the development of them was fast. It was just boom. They were on the scene. Everyone's doing something. They're all serving a specific function. They all look sexy as hell. And then suddenly they're everywhere. And now we have a whole bunch that we can look at and talk about. And I think you sort of nailed it when you started talking about it, that there's no real... Like, there's no real requirement for what it means to be a racing watch. So even a, even a tach, tachymeter scale, while useful, just not required. It went out the window right. when the Monaco became the iconic racing watch. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, maybe that's true. I think so. The requirement, at least, as opposed yeah. to the scale itself. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the requirement for it, because it became the, the persona, if you will, of racing chronographs. And it's got, you know, it's got a number of variations over the year, but I don't know that any of them have that, that tacky scale. So I didn't look at year by year, but they certainly didn't originally. Is there, any, is there any more iconic racing watch than that? Not that comes to mind. I mean, arguably the Daytona. Yeah, but I, I think the Daytona kind of stands on its own independent of racing. It's named after a racetrack. Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong. I okay. don't know. You, I mean, you let bet. us know. Let you, us know if, if there's a more iconic Andrew's been wrong a lot, out there. I'm, so don't feel bad. I am always wrong. And I say things with such <laughs> conviction that oftentimes people believe it. But if, it's if you like you're think, a referee selling the call. If you don't know what the what, what the call was, you blow you your just, whistle and, and point And he was harder. giving them the business. Right. <laughs> let us know. What do you think of as iconic racing chronographs? When, when we say a racing chronograph, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think we've hit the nail on the head. It's it's either the Monaco or or the Daytona. Between those two, I think it's it's one of those that's the most. I mean, you know, this is it's subjective and too sexy as hell watches. Someone's gonna be like, uh, the most iconic is a Seiko SKX because I wore one when I went to Deadwood or not Deadwood. What is it? When I went Radwood. to Las Vegas and <laughs> and paid my hundred bucks to race a uh, a Porsche around the track. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, we love your comments. We actually haven't had too much of it. Every once in a while we get a comment or two that's like, oh my gosh. You know, just a little more aggressive than I think I would be in that same context. But yeah. It hasn't been, it hasn't been a ton of that. No. They stand out, though. They do. <laughs> they, <laughs> they do. They do. Uh, you know, by and large, they come by way of uh, of, of DM. So they're, they're private and... They've always turned into interesting conversations. And bottom line, we appreciate everyone's feedback because um, even though we're just doing this as really an excuse to just hang out and talk about watches, um, it's kind of important to us, like really important to us that we're producing something that y'all want to listen to and you enjoy. Right, right. And and I think one of the things that we we like about doing this is that we've got the ability to to learn even more uh, about this thing we love, so. Yeah. 
So we, you know, as, as we do, as we, as we do, we've picked some watches for you guys to spend your hard-earned pesos on, or that we'll spend our hard-earned or, pesos on, or that we may, or, Just, or or that we maybe already have. Uh, no, I didn't pick any that I already have. I didn't order it today. Oh, wah, wah. It's, it, I just didn't. It, well, let's start with that. Anyway, so a couple examples of the style that we're talking about. So I'll start. First racing chronograph example, the Seiko SSB031. And it's just beautiful. It comes in at 135.43 on Amazon right now. 130 smackaroos. Yeah. 136. Well, 135. It's under 50 cents. We'll round down. 135 bucks for a lovely racing chronograph. It's perfectly sized. 40 and 20. 40 and, just, and 20. We, it, you heard it here. Every picture, video, everything I've seen of it, I'm just, I'm smitten. Completely smitten by it. I'm purchasing one this week. They're just, they're just great. I love the way they look. They've got just a great, a great face to them. Great shine on it. I'm just... I'm a little bit Twitter pated when I'm trying to talk about it, so I can't get a whole lot of thought out of here right now. But bottom line <laughs> it's, is, I, I it's make, so good. It's good. It's good. I'm a little drooly. It's just good. It is good. I've I've wanted to add a chronograph to my to my collection <clears throat> for a while, and I've I've seen a bunch, and none have really stood out. And this is one that when I'm perusing through and and looking and kind of just weaving my way through the internet, and I came across this, and I know I'd seen it before. But this time when I saw it, it just, it clicked and it said... I wonder where you heard about it. Uh, it was probably you. Is it possible that I told you about it when we talked about... I don't remember what episode that was in. But I tried to talk you into it at the time. And you were like, I want the Orient Neo I do. I still want the Neo <laughs> 70s. But whatever whatever spark connection that needed to happen, happened. I fed you an earworm. And it, well, it took hold. And it's planted its seed. Such a good, you know. I think my favorite thing about that watch is, uh, we've, we've. I always forget to do this. Let's pull it up so we can look at it. Even though you can't look at it, I mean, you could look at it. You can, unless you're driving, then don't do it. So I think my favorite thing about this thing is the um, ion plated bezel. I, I don't know if it's ion plated. It looks ion plated. It's to me. it's got such a cool <clears throat> shine to it. It, it almost it, looks like ceramic. It Or it almost looks like it's internal and the crystal surrounds everything. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I wonder if that's the picture or, you know, I wonder. I haven't seen one of these. Now, this is, I, I say, I'm going to say obviously a Speedmaster homage. I don't know that it is obviously a Speedmaster homage, but that's the way, that's the way it reads to me. Um without being without directly aping anything it, it just screams speedmaster to me but but in some ways it, it's got a lot of of daytona to it too so um really it's seiko's own thing yeah beautiful watch mecha quartz yep which yeah. i'm excited to give give a run on give it a try I yeah i mean do we quartz. between the two of us do we have any mecha quartz i don't think we do uh uh-uh. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I know I've handled them, and the, you know, the action on them is so cool because it feels like a, a mechanical chronograph. It's got that hammer pull to it, but it's not. But it's not. Yeah. Uh, th- this, I think, this is just a fantastic watch. You know what episode? What this is one of my three for six hundred watches. Is it? This was one of my three for six hundred watches. Yeah, that's right. 
And I think it's a great choice still. If you're looking for... I'll have to go back. I don't remember that. An entry-level Seiko. I think this is such a great choice. Or entry-level Chrono. I love it. For that price, I mean, this was 120 bucks on Joma Shop. They're out of stock, but that's a sick watch, dude. And the, the size, you know, it looks like it's going to be a beast. And there are other S- watches in the SSB line that are beasts. Yes. This one is not. 40 millimeters. Killer size for this. Yeah. Perfect. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and you have not ordered it yet. Which I have I'm not. Di- I, I'm feeling a little disappointed in you. I'm pretty confident I will have it by the time we record next. Maybe not, because we're going to record in a couple days. Right. <laughs> but if I order it tomorrow, it might be here Saturday, so maybe, yeah. All right, man. I'm stoked. Maybe by the first of the year, though. Yeah, what you got up? You know, my first one, I, I actually sort of, there's a number of watches that I went back and forth on. I really like some of the watches coming out of Stratton Watch Company. Mm-hmm. Um, they make, they make killer watches. There's another company and I'm not going to, I'm going to mess up the name, but Vratislavia, I think is how you say that. It's V-R-A-T-I-S, Vratislavia. I think it's the name of it. Uh, they're making a bunch of killer watches. So there was the, several of these companies, smaller companies, but with a real racing inspired emphasis, uh, that had options. Ultimately, I went with a totally different company. I went with Gakoda, mm-hmm. or Watch Gecko. Gakoda, I think, is their their brand of watches. Their C-01 Diver is, to me, an absolutely killer choice. There, When you look at this thing, uh, there, there's absolutely no doubt about it. This is a racing watch. And I'll tell you, this is an homage to one of my very favorite racing watches of all time. The, the Hoyer Camaro, which is one of the more rare Hoyer watches. This was a watch that was only made for four years. And if you look at this, you you will know what a Hoyer Camaro looks like because they look very, very similar. But that cushion case, square-ish, not Monaco square. But close. But square-ish. Uh, the whole thing, I think, is super elegant. I love the way the lugs sort of abruptly project from the case. Um, the transitions are both angular and harsh and also really soft soft and smooth and they work together it looks like it's just sort of stuff jammed together and then as it comes together it's really uh, organic and beautiful love this watch Kakoda is such a weird brand you they don't come up a lot they make stunning watches so many other watches are fantastic but for whatever reason it feels like they don't come up as much as i think they should this is another mecha quartz watch Caliber 64 um, is, I think, what they call it. I'm not sure that's the, the same name. But this is the Seiko 64 Mecha Quartz movement. These all come on leather. Uh, they they come on Gakoda's own rally strap, which Gakoda makes phenomenal straps. I love this watch, man. I love the colors, bunch of different colors. I probably am slightly inclined to the all-black OG, all-black on silver case. That one doesn't doesn't do it for me. The the white with the black subdials really, really stood out to me. The panda, yeah. You, you know, and they've got some cool '70s coloring. They've got a, a silver, blue, and red. They've got a silver and orange. A panda. They've also got a black. Uh, a PVD. That looks cool. With red accents. These are all coming in right around three eighty, four hundred bucks or so. I. I think it's killer. I I think you could do a lot worse than one of these. Oh, absolutely. Uh, something that doesn't come up very often. Uh, I, I'd be really happy with one of these. Super Luminova all around. 
And talk about a unique watch to add to your collection. Never mind that it's a racing chronograph, but just a almost a one-off type watch that you don't see. You're definitely not going to bump into anybody else wearing one. Not one of these, yeah, certainly. It's not a, not one of the Camaros either, because yeah. <laughs> there was only like a few thousand of them made. Those are all in vaults. You, you know, they pop up every once in a while. Analog Shift have one not too long ago, a Camaro, and and they're not a ton of money because it's not this very well known watch so i mean if if it's something you you really wanted i think you could get a hold of one i feel like i really wanted one i'm not i'm not prepared right now to drop the money because it's not going to be cheap no. probably five thousand bucks this is a much more affordable option that will allow you to buy more watches right because you buy that watch you, you might be you might have your cards confiscated well my wife's going to divorce me and then i'll lose like half of our income too so yeah child support i won't it'll be my last watch yeah so you better love it (laughs) all right uh what's next for you man oh next up i know what it is because you already told me the emg horizon chronograph killing it these guys coming in at 350 dollars, and they are they're beautiful i mean they are a, a monaco homage um but man they they're Again, with a, that really square case, very, very abrupt, sharp edges. I mean, it looks like they're, it, it probably wouldn't even be OSHA approved with how sharp those square <laughs> edges are. Uh, the lugs transition kind of soft out of there. They're, they're not, they're flush with the top of the case. Um, so they're not just like bars sticking out of it. I think they did a really good job building that out. The rectangular pushers for the the rectangular pushers for the chronograph uh it's just a it's a great looking watch and it's still available right oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think these are still pre-order it, yeah you know they got some great colorways too th- these guys emg eric derek and ed i think eric is in detroit maybe is that right i don't remember where they're all located eric's here derek's in scotland ed is in hong kong aka hk ed uh ed's in hong kong these guys make some of the coolest watches you can buy yeah the, the nemo this watch uh y- y- you know y- even their they've got two race or two other chronographs one is a racing chronograph that isn't available anymore and they're just they're making just beautiful watches yeah that dl63 i, I think is the one you're talking about yeah. Gor- gorgeous watch so uh these guys make super cool watches y- y- you know they small order stuff they're a tiny company um but i i think in terms of cool folks in the in the gotta be in the no watch game this is one of the coolest companies out there we i've talked to i've talked to eric a, a couple of times online and good guys too you know we've we've you and i both i think have had conversations mm-hmm. with ed at this point i've never i've never talked to derek um but but cool company, super good watches. I, and I love this thing. You know, I, I don't know when uh, Two Broke Watch Snobs talked about this. I think they were reluctant to call it a, a Monaco homage. It, it almost seemed like they they felt like that would be selling it short. And, and maybe that's the case. But it's so clearly a Monaco homage that, uh, you, you know, without directly aping the Monaco, I, I, don't, I don't understand why that's problematic. I mean, it's not problematic for me. I don't know. Maybe it's derogatory. I wouldn't think so. I mean, they they took a they took a known quantity and gave us their their spin on it with that flavor still infused into the 
into a really beautiful watch that they're putting out. Well, you know, I think Kaz wrote that review, and I think his point was this is more than that. It's more than just a Monaco homage, and and I think that's oh yeah, true. I, I think that's right. It's definitely more than an homage <clears throat> watch, but it's still aesthetically a very similar design. You, you know, the details on this thing blow my mind. Those markers, those textured markers. I, I mean, really, there's so much going on here. Really cool watch. Yeah, one that I would be excited to excited to put my hands on. And a 350, when it's not going to hurt. Uh, it's not going to hurt you. No. Good choice, man. What have you got up next? I'm excited about it. Yeah. Uh, so my last one, this is a uh, Seiko Giugiaro? Giugiaro? Giovanni? Giovanni? No. Oh. So Seiko has a sort of running collaboration with, I think it's Giugiaro Design, which is a, I'm guessing, Italian design house. But famously... Seiko Giorgiaro designed that Ridley watch, yep. that, or Ripley watch, yeah, uh, for, from Aliens. It, you know, it, this is the sort of asymmetrical watch with the big chronograph pushers in, in a bar on the side of it. Famous watch. This is not that watch. No. This is a different watch. It's better. Yeah, I don't know. Different. Uh, so this is the SCED. 057 this is a limited edition for motorcycle watch i've I, i've pulled this up on seiya japan which is a cool if you like jdm watches seiya is such a great place they've got always just sexy cool seiko stuff and, and, and other brands too citizen and cool grand seiko shit if you like that and, and really who doesn't like grand seiko i i don't know the person who doesn't grand seiko is great i don't want to know the person who doesn't <laughs> So yeah, this watch super duper interesting. It's canted, fifteen degrees, right? Fifteen degrees, uh, you, you know, clockwise uh, left to cant. right. Yeah, fifteen degree clockwise cant, and and actually the crystal is got a five percent lift on the crown side on the right side, and it's designed for motorcycle riders. So when your hands are on a motorcycle a motorcycle handlebars supposedly it's a slightly easier to read now it wouldn't be for you no as a southpaw it would be harder to read much <laughs> 15 degrees worse yeah at least uh, but, after, after but when your hands are in that position it's you're looking dead on it you're not having to adjust as you're riding i mean it's a such a cool innovation for such a specific market and and it's beautiful. I mean, it's quirky. It's got these orange plastic pushers. It's got that tiny little crown that I'm not a huge fan of. That tiny little crown. I'm sure that's a finger bust, fingertip buster. It's got a little cutout underneath to to get in there. But I'm sure it's still a pain in the ass. So if you're gonna criticize the watch, that's that's probably the biggest, the easiest place. It's a blast blasted finish, a bead blasted finish, um, integrated bracelet. It, you know, which some people are just never going to buy integrated bracelets. It looks to me like you could probably get a regular strap in there. It's not integrated to the extent you can't get another strap in there, but uh, certainly a hooded lugs on this thing. I love it, man. And another example of a sexy watch. Sexy watch. Yeah, that's right. And and the bracelet's not. It's the, unique. It's unique. That's right. It's not. It's not a run of the mill bracelet. It's got some style to it. Uh, that's that's different than than what you what you see. Uh, I, I I really dig it. I really dig it. it. It looks like it's probably a pain in the ass to size. 
you know, the way the links are. And I don't know. You never know until you get your hands on it. I bet this thing's a pain in the ass, though. Worth it. If you're riding <laughs> motorcycles with frequency and. Or if you just yourself... want to look cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to look cool. I would look uncool wearing it. it. It's a lifetime goal of mine to look cool once. Just once? We could maybe make that happen. All right. I can't promise you anything, but we can try. <laughs> uh, yeah, this has a hard lex crystal, you, you, you know, 7T12 movement. I think 7T12 is just a like kind of a BS quartz movement from Seiko. They're using it on some of these reissues. Uh, you know, so so the movement could be better. The crystal could be better. It's 279 bucks. You're not going to pay a ton of money for this. You're paying for the design. You're for paying the novelty. For yeah, that's right. Uh, it's It's a little big. 43 millimeters, which for me is a little big. That's a pretty standard chronograph size, though. Yeah, I guess so. You, you know, I don't know if this can be true. It says it's a 43 millimeter east-west uh, dimension, and it's got a 40.8 lug-to-lug dimension. I'm skeptical of that. I, I don't know that it could be... That doesn't look right. Nah, I don't, I'm, I'm skeptical of that. So I wonder if it's actually a 40, a 40 millimeter and a 43 millimeter... Um, you, you know, Saya is pretty good about their dimensions, so who who knows? But I, I'm skeptical of that of that reading. I think that's a typo. <clears throat> when you look at the watch, it's a it's not ovular, right? Ovular. In in the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, it's got an 11 meter, millimeter thickness. You know, with that, I don't know if that's at the top of the of the slant or or at the bottom doesn't matter it doesn't look to me like it's going to be obtrusively thick so a really cool watch it's obviously a sports watch so you're not going to wear it with a tuxedo no i mean you could james bond would yeah he might but yeah that's it i, I mean it's really cool watch different uh i think if you want a different watch you could do a lot worse than this uh it, it reminds me of you, you know some of these designs from uh oh what's the name of the company that's making all the super cool driving watches uh, Autodromo, uh, yeah. Autodromo. They make the Group B, and it, not not that it looks anything like anything they've created, but it just seems like a style that might come out of that house. So, love it. A uh, little bit different, certainly a, a little bit higher design than some of the watches we talk about. We we talk about, I, I think, a lot of just very clean, classic watches. This is different than that. So. Certainly out of the norm. Out of the norm, yeah. That's it. That's that's all of our watches. I think. Yeah. That's all the watches you'll ever need. Yeah, we've come to the end. This is the end. This is the last episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So before we get into other stuff, I know we have a correction. Yep. From our Field Watch episode. Uh, You know, we we gave the caveat when we started. We're we're not experts in this stuff, and we're going to make mistakes. The... And we this made was a, this was a mistake that was honest, though. It's an honest mistake. Yeah. So we got a comment from uh, one of our followers, uh, and, and I guess friend of the show. This is a fella. I I don't know what his actual name is, and I, and I don't need to read it. But his his Instagram name is Dan C twenty one C Y. He is a a, a well known military watch collector. He was actually on. Two broke watch snobs. He did an episode, and I'm I'm not sure which episode it was. I think it was back in the '80s. Um, did did a segment with them on on history of military watches, in particular British military watches. He's a very 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 knowledgeable collector of military watches, and he had some comments for us. And it, it was a mistake. 
it was a mistake forgive me but when i was talking about vietnam era watches the g10 watch um referred to it as as a g10 watch now g10 obviously is shorthand for the form g10 which is the form that soldiers filled out to get their nato straps or or perhaps their watches military issue watches and later g10 is uh, a, a watch that was released by cwc but not until the 80s i was referring to w10 which was a design specification going back to vietnam i made the mistake a number of times so if you're listening to that that Gosh, this guy Everett's an idiot asshole. You're totally right. I am an idiot asshole. But I just said the wrong term. So, correction. Dan says, G10 is a British military term. They wouldn't have gone to Vietnam. Uh, watches in Vietnam were Benrus, Timex, Hamilton for the general service watches. Specialist watches tended to be not to be serialized due to the nature of some of the Vietnam operations. NSN and issue markings would be key indicators of nationality of combatants to the enemy forces so they removed them and, and he's talking i think in particular here to some of the seiko watches that were issued to u.s forces um who were you know sort of undercover and and trying not to get found out mm-hmm. to be u.s forces uh so he says he continues suspects so for w10 watches came in during the 60s but no watch has g10 on the case back g10 is a colloquial term as it comes from g1098 which is the code for the list of personnel personal issued items to soldiers in the british army the actual watches are serialized either w10 055 6bb and so on so good comment thanks dan uh thanks for listening and it was a pleasure to talk with you and uh yeah feel free to let us know anytime we screw this stuff up because we're gonna screw stuff up certainly are on to other things we like i know you have a fun one i do i've been on a bourbon kick as of late and one of my absolute favorites. Like as I, in the last 10 years? Yeah. 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 It's been a while. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites currently is W.L. Weller. And they've got a couple uh, a couple that they, they come out with. Their, but their special reserve comes in, in Oregon at least, at like 27 28 bucks, And it is absolutely terrific. It's a weeded bourbon whiskey made by Buffalo Trace. And it's got low to mid 90 ratings on any of the review or advocate or websites of that of that ilk um and it is fair to call it pappy van winkle's cheaper cousin whoa maybe maybe younger brother but more likely cheaper cousin it is to break it down into way too simple of terms it's basically pappy that doesn't make the cut i see so what we're looking at is like 26 28 a bottle for this special reserve the green label okay for an absolutely everyday drinkable because it's not expensive so you're not gonna feel bad about drinking it every day delicious weeded bourbon whiskey i'm looking at green label w.o weller for 160 bucks here uh i don't know where from and 199. Is it is it possible that it's you 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 bought a bottle for 27 bucks? I, I buy it pretty regularly. Man, we need to go back to that place. Yeah, the cheapest I'm finding online is 179. I don't have an answer for you. Okay, well we'll try to find this stuff. Uh, I also tried their uh, antique variety recently. Okay. Um, also very good. It was only about a dollar, maybe two dollars more than uh, than the one that I was buying, and it is 
just terrific. So killer since, stuff. Since it's still holiday season, it's it's whiskey drinking season in the cold. Uh, head down next time you're at the liquor store, take a look around for it. It's some places it's easier to find than others. A lot of the a lot of the places that I that I've read about it online, people say they can never find it. They have to go to secondary markets to be able to buy it. It's pretty pretty available in the uh, Willamette Valley, so um, worth looking into for a a nice treat. Because that that weeded that weeded bourbon whiskey is quite a bit smoother than than using I mean any of the other grains that that can be used for it, and it's it's terrific. It's it's absolutely worth it. I enjoy it, um, and as somebody who likes to drink whiskey, it's one that I could drink. I could go to every day. Do you have some at the house? No, otherwise I would have brought it. Yeah, we'll have to try that. Uh, it, it, I, I, your description of it being the stepchild of Pappy Van Winkle. Not stepchild. It's it's a relation. It's a blood relative. <laughs> I, that gets me excited. That's Never. why I say cheaper, cheaper cousin, maybe. Never tell you about the time I was at the Jag School in Virginia, and we were out with a fella. I won't say his name. We had gone out with a fella in my Jag School class, and he's he is a he's a loudmouth, a loudmouth fella, and uh, nice guy. I like him. Went to Ole Miss. He's just a good guy, you know, a good old Southern boy, but kind of kind of a talker, a little bit of a blowhard. And he's ordering. There's about four of us at the time, sort of sitting around, and he ordered a round of pappy. Whoa. We're like, shit, dude, cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And then he orders another one. Yikes. I'm in. And then he orders another one. I want to know this guy. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, we're all thinking, gosh, this is this is not cheap. But, you know, if you want to do that, that's great. Uh, he gets pretty drunk at some point. We're, we're, it's actually a really cool, I think it's called the Whiskey Jug, uh, really cool bar. And then he says, all right, let's split the check. Well, no. So he says, I- I'm going to call an Uber because I'm getting pretty pretty lit and calls an uber takes off and about 20 minutes later the server comes up to us and they're like Where, where'd that guy go where'd the pappy guy go and he totally walked on his bill and we wound up having to pay we split it four ways but still wasn't cheap motherfucker well played <laughs> i think we, he he felt he was pretty embarrassed the next day because he was trashed uh he, he paid us back but <laughs> Son of a bitch. Well, because I mean, it's not something I order on a right. You know, it's, I think it was like twenty bucks a glass or thirty bucks a glass or something like that. that might have yeah. been. Yeah. It's hard to find. I, I don't remember how much how much it was. We split it four ways, like I said. But you bastard. Yeah, that's well played. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. We should. We'll, we'll get a bottle and we'll drink it on the show one of these days. Yeah, if we can indeed find it for twenty seven bucks, we'll find it. All right. It's almost certainly at the liquor store down the street. Let's do it. So I've got just one, just one thing. This is a show, you know, you and I have talked about this off the air a couple times, but uh, a show that's available on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's a Netflix original. It might be, uh, but a show called The Last Kingdom. It is original, I think. This is a show that had popped up in my sort of suggested feed a number of times. And um, it's the aesthetic is very similar to a show that we have started and not finished called Vikings that I just couldn't get into. And so when the show, what? yeah, I couldn't get into it. Vikings. I love that show. I know you do. I know you do, Billy Bob. Uh, it, you, you know, we just couldn't get into it for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, and so when the show popped up, this the Last Kingdom, I was like, yeah, it's another Vikings, and it looks very much. I mean, the aesthetic is very similar. They're obviously Vikings. 
let's start there. Uh, but you know, just sort of this dark Norseman, gritty, you know, what whatever uh, period drama, period drama with, with Vikings, right? How how much variety is there going to be? <clears throat> well, I think one night we just randomly started it and. Within 20 minutes of this thing being on, both my wife and I, and my wife is not a big blood, guts, and boobs uh, kind of person. She doesn't, it, it's not her her deal. Um, That's weird. But, <laughs> uh, you know, because I think those things are okay. Those are the best. That's why I watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but so, so that's not really her thing. But I think within 20 minutes, both of us were just engrossed and you know it's like that episode of portlandia where they're watching battlestar galactic yeah you know it's like three o'clock in the morning and we're losing our jobs but one more episode uh we probably watched all three seasons that are available now in you know maybe two weeks a week and a half two weeks it's a bingeable show totally you know what show i started that i expected to be similar Hmm. another netflix show called norseman haven't started it it's a comedy but like a weird kind of comedy so i started it expecting it to be like last kingdom or like or like vikings sure it wasn't (laughs) i was i i was so taken aback and unprepared for it that i watched about 10 minutes and i was like yeah no i can't watch this so i gotta go back and try it again because it's similar feel but it's it's a comedy it's a comedy but is it tongue-in-cheek or is it just funny tongue-in-cheek okay uh Kind of like a like a almost like a Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail feel, where sure. if if you weren't prepped for it, you'd be like, "This is the worst fucking <laughs> King Arthur movie I've ever seen. What is right. happening?" Uh, but then when you realize it's who's it's, scared of a rabbit, exactly. Then you realize it's like it's deliberate. Uh, it becomes hysterical. So I gotta I gotta start over with that lens and okay. uh, see how it is. But I can't believe you don't like Vikings. You know, and it's not that I didn't like it because I, I, we liked it. I just couldn't. I just didn't get the bug the way you get with some shows. You oh, know, it, it got me. Though some shows are like that, like Peaky Blinders. You got to finish the whole first season before you catch the bug, right? And that's another one you've told me to go back and finish it. I haven't. But then once you finish the first season, you never want it to end. You just have to have to trudge. What was Power the show with a full season with Steve Buscemi, uh, Boardwalk Boardwalk Empire? Yeah. Gosh, that one, that was another one. Just, we started it and couldn't stop it. Uh, you, you know, and, and unfortunately, we started it, like, right before the second to last season. So then we did the, you gotta wait thing, which I, I, I almost that. prefer to wait until a series is done to start it. So, yep. anyway, uh, we're getting along in the tooth here. The The Last Kingdom, really good TV. Phenomenal. I totally recommend it. Uh, you, you know, there's a historical context. It's It's a fictional show, but... There's a historical context to it um, that is that, that's pretty neat. You know, you learn this history, and, and I don't think it's gonna gonna track history directly. But well, no, I mean it's a story of of Norse legends. They don't even know for sure if these fellows were real for the most part. Well, you know, there's the the story actually follows really closely this the famous King Alfred the Great, who was the first king of the Anglo Saxons. So this you know one of the greatest britons of all time so this real person who's who's important and and part of the history so pretty neat definitely what more do we got are we done for today all right shout out to all the families out there that have finished up their christmas um yeah looking forward to uh you you know this is our episode nine so we're we're moving right along humming right along haven't missed a week thought we thought we might miss this week we we did yeah i did 
we we've got we've got a couple of episodes banked for for a future we know we're gonna have to take some time off coming up so uh we thought we were gonna have to dig into the bank but here we are recording nonetheless so yeah bring bringing you guys the goods hope you guys are enjoying it please keep tuning in if you if you know someone who you think might like us like like our, our our product or the show we're putting out let them know yeah and that's it happy new year it'll be the new year when we talk again yeah it will be 2019 we're on the way coming in last show and of 20 this is the last show of 2018 it is congratulations we you did made this. it all right folks thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 don't forget to tune back in next thursday for another hour of watches food drinks life and other things we like bye-bye Bumming on Tremolo by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.